Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Um, we're glad that you're here to listen. We'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Lake Ridge, and thank you again for joining us. Uh, it's an honor to have you here as we meet as a community, but even at a distance. Hey, we're continuing on with our sermon series called Treasure, and it's an exploration of what it is to be human, uh, what it is to have physical bodies and all that comes with it. We've explored emotions and ambition and illness. We've covered a whole range of topics, and today we're talking about love, relationships, and sex. This one is called Intimate Humanity, what it is to be an intimate person. And so before we begin, I just want to put a little caveat on this, uh, that we're going to be covering some uh, intimate themes, some sexual themes, and so a little viewer discretion is advised there. Hey, the whole reason why we can talk about bodies to begin with is because uh, Jesus came and was embodied. God come to us in flesh. It's kind of core to what it is to be Christian. And so to talk about this flesh, this body we've been given, it's actually a very Christian thing to do. And in many ways, when we talk about Christian flesh, this body we've been given, uh, we are uh, paying attention to what God says about this body, how it's used, how it's enjoyed, what it's capable of. And in sometimes that's in contrast to what the world uh, says about what our bodies are for. And so today we're going to be, I'm, I'm venturing into the topic of love, intimacy, relationship, sex, and in some ways I feel like I'm venturing into a bit of a minefield because there's so many uh, differing uh, words and stories and experiences and I'm going to wander through, but I really hope that in this faithful stepping through this story, uh, that you will pay attention, not maybe to what I'm saying, but maybe to what God has been saying in your story. Uh, and hopefully I'll just be able to shepherd us through and pay attention to a few things that I think will help us uh, love the fact that God has given us this amazing body capable of love, intimacy, sex, all of these things. And so... Here we go. Some of you may become somewhat uncomfortable as parts of this film unfold, but I think if you listen carefully, you will agree that the concepts will contribute to the rearing of a mature person who has a healthy, responsible attitude toward the sexual side of his life. Hey, one of my f first stories that, uh, that I can only share now is... Uh, it happened in a church bathroom. Uh, a guy, a kid, uh, I, I'd have been young. I don't know how, how how old, but a kid had this crumpled up picture ripped out of uh, rip, ripped out of a Playboy magazine, and it was a picture of a naked of a, of a naked woman. And I remember he said, "You, you got to come here and see." And he, and he unfolded it and hunched over. He showed this to me, and here I was in a church bathroom, young still figuring out a lot of things and the worship music was playing in the main sanctuary and my friend was showing me this and and he was like isn't this cool and i remember 
I remember not knowing really, really what to to think about it. It was cool. It was interesting. As as a young boy, I I didn't I didn't really seen this before, and and here I was being shown something that that I wasn't sure. Is this good? Is this bad? I just remember as the music was playing that I encountered my first major run-in with with uh, the complexity of being a sexual and spiritual and physical human being standing in that church bathroom. So this crinkled naked picture on a uh, in the church bathroom to me seemed intimate and it seemed secretive and it seemed and it seemed um, intriguing and special and interesting, but it was not the whole picture. God was doing something more in young Preston there, I think, to prepare me for a deeper life of intimacy with God and with others. God knows all this. God wasn't surprised with these two boys in the bathroom looking at this crumpled piece of paper. God is not surprised at this. In fact, the whole biblical story is often wrapped in the stories of people's journey through being sexual, uh, intimate, relational, and loving human beings. And in most of the time, uh, these stories are full of sexual passions and God is weaving his story throughout. We are meeting people in the Old Testament full of sexual intrigue. David and Bathsheba, Solomon hid hundreds of wives and concubines, Samson and his Philistine girls, from naked people in the Garden of Eden to a whole book in the Bible, Song of Songs, which is full of sexual innuendo and erotica, as far as I can tell. The Bible is a story of this, and God clearly made these bodies. God isn't, isn't surprised that we are beings who crave uh, sexual uh, intimacy, who crave love, who crave goodness, whose hearts break, who feel hurt, who feel the complexity, uh, who feel the longing, uh, who feel the fear. And God can relate to what it means to grow old together, uh, to have a long love story, and that this is a part of God's beautiful story. God made bodies with this capacity for intimacy and love because we're made in God's image and God's very nature is built on love that grows close to the heart of creation. The Bible calls this deep love. It has a word for it. It's called kessed or unfailing love. In the book of Exodus 34, 6, very early on in the Bible, it says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. This word, unfailing love, means loyal love. And this is what they call God early on. Kesed, this is this Hebrew word. Kesed wraps the words for love, generosity, commitment, intimacy into this one word that we really don't have a very good word for. So we call it loyal love or unfailing love. God demonstrates this unfailing love, not because the people were exceptional and they deserved it. They did something to get God's unfailing love. No, we learn early on that it's actually God's character and nature to be the very embodiment of unfailing, loyal, kesed love. God loves because God is love. And God is love because God loves. There's this intimacy tied into the very nature of God. God's love is not distant and untouchable or extracted from this life. Rather, it's close and it's warm and it's present. In Psalm 136, uh, we hear a psalm where this kessed love uh, makes it to the very heart of it. It is repeated 
over and over again. In Psalm 136, it says this, Give thanks for the Lord, he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts. His love endures forever. God does great wonders. His love endures forever. And it goes over and over. And they always repeat. His love endures forever. Kessed. His love endures forever. The psalm goes on to talk about this great cosmic love of God. But then it gets really intimate. And talks about how God feeds us. His love endures forever. So from the great cosmic story of God to something as intimate as the food in my mouth. God's love, Kessid love, defines who God is and what he wants to do with us. In Jesus then, as followers of Jesus, we see the embodiment of this Kessid, faithful, loyal, intimate love of God. Jesus comes and he embodies it. He brings it to us. He shows us firsthand. He touches people with the very Kessid love of God. He isn't distant, but he's physical with them. You see God touching, or Jesus touching people over and over again. He unites with humanity and then invites us to unite with him. Uh, In 1 John, we hear this story how God is love and his love is in us. This love comes so close. Jesus shows us what true human love looks like. God's love is warm. It's affectionate. It's close. And in Jesus, we see this love coming out as what it means to be human. And this love is built into us. It's baked into us. It's part of our DNA. We can participate in Kessid love too. God made us to love and be loved. And it gave us the capacity, the permission, the example for how to love well as humans. So before we go on, I want to talk about steak. Have you ever had an amazing steak meal? I am craving steak right now. Uh, Maybe, what about the steak Medium rare, uh, a little bit, a, l- a little bit red on the inside, with maybe some a side of wine. Uh, I'm I'm thinking a baked potato with uh, with a whole bunch of sour cream on top, some bacon and chives, lots of butter. Uh, maybe on the side, oh, butter over top of some broccoli, delicious. Uh, how about for dessert, um, tray lache cake? If you've never had tray lache cake, it's layers, it's 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 soaking in milk, it's delicious with some strawberry drizzled on top delicious. I would love that meal right now. Food, we learn, uh, if you've lived any amount of time, we learn it's a gift from God. That delicious meal is something that I want. God could have made food as a bland utilitarian thing. He could have made food that we just, it's tasteless and it's full of utility instead of having something that we enjoy. But guess what God did? He made food delicious. God gave us taste buds and he said, it is good. I'm glad you taste this. I'm glad you're enjoying the good thing that I have made. The Bible talks a great deal about food and wine and deliciousness. And in fact, the Bible likens eternity to a long feast with God. That when we bite into something, it is a foretaste of God's eternal feast of love with us. Each shared meal we have with friends in non-pandemic times. Each home-cooked meal we make for our family. Each communion meal we share as a church. For those who follow Jesus, the day when all hungry bellies are full, when all sorrow and loneliness is gone, when we enjoy feasting at the life of God forever, that is what heaven is about. It paints this beautiful picture and it is delicious. But our relationship with food is, is not like that. 
We know what good food tastes like, but we sometimes don't enjoy it the way maybe we could. Follow along with me. Too many people are still hungry or starve. Still others, they overeat or eat foods that destroy our arteries. Instead of sharing food, we actually hoard it for ourselves. Instead of enjoying wine with thanks, we use it to sometimes numb pain or abuse our bodies with it and hurt ourselves and others. Food is a gift, but without our sense of God's generosity to us in that food, guess what? It hurts us. Food can make us feel hollow or shameful or ungrateful or we're never satisfied by it. My steak meal that I just described is more than food. It reveals my belief about the world around me. It reveals my belief about God and what God's doing and nourishing me. My delicious meal and how I treat it has something to say even about this conversation we're having today about love, sex, relationship, and intimacy and how I treat others with it. You see, love, relationships, and sex could have been given to us as a total utilitarian thing. I could marry out of a total functionality, out of duty and necessity. (laughs) Or I could care for another because I have to. Or I could reproduce on an as-needed basis alone. And while some cultures and religious groups live like this, fear for some has put sex and love down to the most sterile functions. The Bible, though, doesn't talk like this about the human experience. Love, relationships, intimacy, they're dynamic. They're full of a range of emotions and curiosity and desire and passion. And they root in our deepest sense of fulfillment and ambition and value and identity and even more. When I fell in love with Kelly, we were uh, dating. She lived in Edmonton. She was studying to be a nurse. She'd come back as a missionary from Africa. She was learning to be a nurse and she was... uh, studying full-time, and she had a job as a researcher. She was busy. And I was here in Calgary as a pastor, and guess what? When we fell in love, we went crazy. We turned into crazy people. We would drive in the middle of the night uh, to, to see each other, and we would I would drive up there, see her, and then I'd drive back for work the next day. And I was living on, like, Red Bulls in the car, and Kelly said she would roll down the windows and turn up the music really loud when she would have to drive this stretch. Here we were, these two busy young people, but love was just like, it overtook us. And we could do these crazy things, like driving in the middle of the night, fueled by Red Bulls, just so we could be with each other for a few hours, just so we could kiss each other, just so we could hold each other and be excited about something good growing here. Love does crazy things inside of us. We were made for passion, for desire, and for this crazy love. Maybe you have a story like that of doing something crazy for love. I think that's a godly thing that was built inside of you. They're a gift from God. So we were made with this capacity or for desire and to experience these. God made it. He blessed it. He says it's good. Each kiss I share, each moment of love, bliss, delight, experience, and experience, And each experience of faithfulness is a picture of this kessed, loyal love that God has put in me. It's a foretaste of God's actually eternal love. Heaven is pictured not only as this feast, but as this place where we finally get this deep intimacy with God. Where all the broken intimacies are made whole again. So, we can spend a lifetime exploring love and deepening our relationships. And we would still have more to learn. It's a foretaste of God's love for us. In fact, Jesus is uh, Jesus describes us as a bride. 
and God as a groom. That in the end, we're going to be, have this fulfillment of this deep love between all humanity and God. And all that is broken and stale or passionless or loveless or fearful will be fulfilled and healed and made up for us again. This is the great promise we have. When talking about sex, Rob Bell, he says that we are neither angels nor are we animals when it comes to loving being loving and relating and intimate human people. We are not animals in that we don't follow our basic instincts. (laughs) Sex or relationships that use others or break chesed love or betray trust dehumanize us and do not reflect the liberating freedom of Christ. We're not sexual animals who just follow the urgings of the chemicals in our brain or who act on the addictions that we've formed. Animals do not bring meaning to their sex to their intimacy. They do not have a cause or grand purpose. They are just following the urge to reproduce and respond to a flash of feathers in another bird or the smell of a certain pheromone. This is not God's picture of intimacy for us. You see, we can sometimes also treat food like animals too. We can consume our bag of Doritos or chug down that bottle because we feel like it. But we are not our stomachs. Nor are we our sexual desires alone. We are more. And that's a good thing. This is the good news story of it all. Bell says something else too. He says, not only are we not animals, but we're also not angels too. Where animals give in to their impulse, angels, they don't at all. (laughs) People who do not know how to talk or feel or grieve or express their desires simply have to hide it. And pretend that they are not allowed to have feelings. So they hide and they run away and they feel shameful. Well, when we can't control sex, we we become Puritans. We prohibit, we, we become fearful about it. And we try to become these sterile, non-sexual people. Religious people, I think, have struggled with this dichotomy for a long time, making sex a hush-hush bad and dirty thing. But the view from the Bible is that it's a good thing. That it was made good. It was made wonderful, in fact, and God made it and wants us to blossom in it, to be full of life in it. So it comes down to this. Bell says this. He says, when we deny the spiritual dimensions of our existence, when we end up, li- we end up living like animals, when we deny the physical, sexual dimension of our existence, we end up living like angels. And both ways are destructive because God made us human. So here's what Jesus came to make whole again. Jesus came to reaffirm the human spirit and the human body. He had around him at that time Pharisees who thought they could live like angels, free of desire. But Jesus called them out on it. And he said that they still had lust in their hearts. They were trying to cover up and look religious. But deep inside, they were pretending to be angels. They were pretending to be all pure or something. And they still had these ideas in their head and they could still lust after a woman and Jesus says no you got it wrong on the other side Jesus ate with prostitutes who were used and gave their bodies for pleasure to customers as this transactional uh, way and Jesus welcomes them around the table and he gives them their honor back and he frees them and invites them into a human life with God and with others Jesus does this on both sides not angels and not animals We're neither animals who go ahead and have sex wherever and with whatever we can, nor are we angels 
who think that sex is dirty and shameful. Rather, we are humans. And this is good news. We were made in the image of God, who is full of compassion and mercy and slow to anger and unfailing love and faithfulness. This God who gave uh, me a chemical mix that compels me to drive through the night fueled by Red Bulls so that I could see Kelly and be with her uh, just to kiss my girlfriend. This is the God who gave me also the ability to be faithfully in love with her for years even later, going on 13 years. And to rediscover our relationship again and again. It's what humans do because it's how we were made and what we were made for. And it is good. We can do these things. Here's something else. We're so different, aren't we? Um, After the hormones and the chemicals and the Red Bull wears off, we are left with this other person. I am left with my wife. A totally foreign person, actually who I think I know, and then I discover I barely know anything, right? But yet we're still invited to love and be faithful to this person. Listen, only humans made in God's image can even come close to understanding the strange thing called faithful love. Only we can do it. And we need the example of Jesus and the presence of God's Holy Spirit and the ongoing work of God's kessed love in our lives to learn how to be human with passion bursting in our veins, and also the ability to express love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control in the kessed love kind of ways. It's amazing. Being human is a beautiful thing. I wanted to share for a second for those who have been hurt. Some of us might have this deep feeling like all is not well. Like... Love has been too far away. Like relationships have not worked out. Like intimacy might be far from you. For those who have been hurt or those who have hurt or maybe you've done both. For those who want but cannot have. I want to share this promise. God sees you. He loves you. He sees you as a human made in his image. And he wants and has a plan for how to care for you. He does. This might be hard to see, but every story is different. Every story is one where God's promise of kessed love to you first shapes how you can see stepping into love and meaning and purpose as a human made in God's image in this world. So the promise of Jesus is this, is that we will be fully embraced by Jesus. A real physical embrace that puts us back together, that holds all the broken physical pieces of this life back together forever in God's life. We expect as Christians a fully, get this, a fully tactile embrace by Jesus one day and forever. A culmination of the Christian life is true intimacy, full and completing intimacy. This is good news. So, I want to end with this after we've woven through all of these big questions. I think Proverbs 30 is even more apropos again. There are three things that amaze me. No four things that I don't understand. How an eagle glides through the sky. How a snake slithers on a rock. How a ship navigates the ocean. And how a man loves a woman. Three things that amaze and I don't understand. This is what he says. So may you be amazed by the gift you've been given the treasure of this intimate body. May may it first amaze you that you even have this thing. 
to experience this world embodied to enjoy the good things God has made. Not as angels or animals, but as humans with the capacity to love along with God. So go and enjoy. Taste and see that God in this life and this body you've given is good. Experience God's good world. Love well. Step into relationships with a full heart of love. Embrace the love of your life and enjoy the gift of love God has given you to share. Go and be faithful. Offer loyal love. Try this long road in the same direction and trust that God has goodness for you in this too. Try this God-informed, God-tested, God-created kind of humanity that allows you to come alive as you were made to be. Let love amaze you, even if you don't understand it. And know that God made you for it. His love endures forever. Amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his kessed love, his faithful, loyal, intimate love, now and forever. Go in peace, my friends. You are loved.